Greetings, I'm Keith Klein, the host of the Venture Fist podcast, where I interview the most fascinating people in the tech scene. This is episode 244, and today's guest is Jeff Coyle, co-founder and chief strategy officer of Market Muse. At this point, it's assumed that companies have a content strategy pulled together for their marketing plan. However, even though content marketing is not a new concept, it is still really difficult to get it right. The challenge is on multiple levels. You need to consistently write content that is meaningful and not loaded with keywords and links that add no value to the article. Search engines are way too sophisticated now and they will sniff that out. But when it's done right, it can be magic, especially if you end up ranking as the authority for keywords that will help drive business to your website. Jeff saw this problem firsthand and it was a meeting with his future co-founder, Aki Balag, where he saw the opportunity for an automated solution that bridges the gap between SEO and content marketing. Fast forward to today, MarketMuse is an AI-driven platform that enables companies to create predictably better content at scale that increases traffic and engagement, improves productivity, and drives revenue. In this episode of our podcast, we cover lots of great topics like the current state of content marketing and the latest on SEO best practices, Jeff's background growing up and his professional experience at KnowledgeStorm and TechTarget, all the details on MarketMuse and how the company's platform works, his experience as a co-founder of Silver Bluff Brewing Company and the similarities of being a tech entrepreneur and so much more. Okay, quick side note. Did you know that you can get customized job alerts delivered to your inbox every single day? It's a great way to keep informed of the thousands of jobs listed on VentureFizz and have jobs from a specific category sent directly to you. Don't let that career-defining opportunity pass you by. Go to VentureFizz.com email to sign up. All right, without further ado, here's my interview with Jeff. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I look forward to the discussion. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you because there's so much going on in the world of MarTech and content marketing and SEO. It's an evolving, evolving world, uh, especially in the Google search bar that we all fight for in terms of getting, hopefully, uh, results that drive traffic to our website. And I was actually reflecting and I was like, hmm. The inbound marketing concept, the term was, you know, coined by HubSpot, like in 2005, I think it was 2004, 2005. So I was thinking, I'm like, okay, so the industry has matured, you know, we're 17 years later. That's a weird thing to say. It's like a time warp. So, so I figured with an expert like you, what's, what's the current state of content marketing and like the latest trends as it relates to SEO best practices? Like where, where are we at? Uh, I mean, I, th- I think that some of the things that are, you know, top of mind jumping into 2022 is there's been significant, you know, uh, consolidation um, in major publishers. So, you know, one thing that's going to play out this year, and I'm not sure how they're going to, you know, manage it is, the, you know, what happens when two big publishers become one publisher? You know, how are they handled? Um, you know, they, they've, they've, you know, it's, it's commonly been the case where a publisher can have a portfolio of sites, but it's getting to the point where it's just unbelievably common. Um, and how that's going to be managed is going to be really intriguing. You're starting to see um, major publishers buy SaaS companies um, in the space. You're starting to see SaaS companies buy major publishers. Uh, even this week, uh, you saw a major, major announcement uh, in the SEO world. Uh, where SEMrush made an acquisition of uh, of a major publisher. Uh, and what that does is it consolidates real estate. So imagine a monopoly board. Uh, and so that's really 
the way that we're going to see 2022 play out from the standpoint of how much harder it's going to be to break in uh, because of liquidity in the market, because of one's ability to buy organic search, which is kind of fun. So it's kind of like a big kid's way of buying organic search. It's not about paid inclusion. It's about buying the company, <laughs> right? And that's just so out there in the terms of, of, of where, um, you know, the vision for inbound marketing and the vision for why content matters and why content strategy is important and quality. Um, it's just a whole different ball game. It's, it's like checkers and chess uh, where people are buying companies to own real estate. The example you brought up, so you're referring to uh, SEM Russia's acquisition of Backlinko? Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I read the press release yesterday and it did talk about how much traffic they acquired. It was like, that was like the opening paragraph of like, we just acquired, I think it was like a half a million new right. visitors type of thing. And it's much more, and it's much more than that. Um, you know, the estimates based off of click-through rate curves might be that, but the true, the real number is dramatically higher. Um, and yeah, I mean, they didn't bury the lead. It's, you know, that's a way to get more of the search engine optimization and growth focused entrance traffic. And it's a brilliant move. Um, I, I, I giggle a little at the world of folks saying, oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, I absolutely get it. It's a brilliant move uh, by a brilliant leadership team who is really understands how to spend money. Um, and, you know, that that's good money after good um, with, you know, a energized audience, you know, the Backlinko community, um, you know, who is very passionate about, you know, that those certifications. And these are things that, you know, that's how product-led growth companies grow. And, and it's through uh, passionate communities and, and people who are willing to put their necks out there to, to vouch for a piece of software or a training uh, course or a certification. Um, and they know that. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm excited about seeing where that goes. It, I think it, it was a bold move, but you're going to see a whole lot more of it. A J2 Global um, acquiring Moz, um, you know, was on the flip side, a publisher buying a SaaS company. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of that happening. And how does that play out? Um, I think it's going to be a big story for this year. Um, you also have companies like, you know, Red Ventures and um, Terakeet and, and other entities who just have huge portfolios of websites. So the question is, how will Google manage that? Um, that's the biggest, I think the biggest untalked about story, non-talked about story in search uh, relates to that. Um, another one is how Amazon um, and uh, product review content in organic search. Um, this was the biggest story of December and how Google made some major uh, publicly available information about how they treat product reviews um, and affiliate product affiliate revenue generating product reviews and product review roundups. You know your best best hoodies for a cold night out. You know, or you know, and then you know, or a product review of a particular you know microphone. Um, the the change to the way that um, Google manages that influences trillions of dollars of the way that you know pieces are are positioned on a chessboard um and the good people the people who are writing great content 
and beautiful reviews were rewarded and the ones that weren't weren't and that makes me that makes my heart sing because that's what market muse is about it's content quality it's don't say you did something that you didn't right really exhibit your expertise and so for example if you wrote a product review and the review itself doesn't illustrate you actually reviewed the product you got unless you were like a mega monolith and had overarching power you got dinged um and you deserve to be dinged because you probably didn't review the product um and you know i know that's a little controversial um to say that but that's and that's i think big story number two amazon create amazon and the amazon uh fba associates community represents a traumatic dramatic existential threat to seo um and um so one and two for me is consolidations in amazon for 2022 i think that's going to be the story um and uh maybe the third one might be uh apple making announcements but we'll we'll see how that plays out in q4 <laughs> yeah interesting. <laughs> interesting to follow and i mean you you hit the nail on the head of every time you know i i dissect you know a good seo strategy and content strategy it all comes down to creating quality content that people want to read and anytime i follow the Google's SEO YouTube channel, like they just talk about like create quality content, you know, like don't try to game the system, create stuff that's well-written, well-presented, well-designed, mobile-friendly, like everything's just about quality for the end user of value versus trying to, you know, scam the system. So. Yeah, it's really, that's their, that's their mantra. And it's been, it's, it's not all, it doesn't always come through in their search results. I think people will need to be more understanding of Google, um, not just how it works. Um, first of all, it's an ensemble of processes that all glom together to produce some, you know, results of different types to provide different value. Um, so, you know, uh, when some people say the Google algorithm, um, it makes me laugh because it's it's not only just not one algorithm. It's you know. You know, there, there isn't the if-then uh, correlation or causation type of thing. And there hasn't been for a really long time. Um, and, you know, it's artificial intelligence, it, it, machine learning. It's not like you can go if-then because every individual query user uh, device type location combination has different experiences. You're working in the, you know, you're working in the generality. Um, when you're doing, you know, that type of analysis. So the, the answer really is to show people that you understand them and you understand their journey and you are an expert. Um, certainly you have to button up the technical side because people want fast websites. People want websites that look good on their phone as well as their desktop. Um, they want, they don't want to be tricked by navigation or advertising. You know, these are things that are just part of the, you know, human experience. Um, and then you, but then you also have the yin and yang of transaction-based queries where, you know, there is a tough juxtaposition for Google because they desire for you to have your um, experience at to be as quick and painless as possible while you get what you want. Well, sometimes that line blurs towards Google making money 
right? Because they're a business. Um, so sometimes you get to a search result and it's like, oh my gosh, like this looks like a category page on my favorite e-commerce provider, right? And that's where the line starts to get blurred. But I think everybody needs to be more understanding that they are a business. Um, ads have always existed on Google um, and they're attempting to create, um, you know, positive user experiences while also having to make more and more and more and more money. And that engine is never going to stop firing. Uh, so it's, it's, it's definitely a, um, uh, a thing where what can you control and what can't you control? What you can control is the user experience you provide for customers and the quality of the content and the exhibition of expertise and where that you understand the entire buyer journey, whether you're selling a pair of socks or you're selling a hundred thousand dollar software product, you know, you've got to show them that you know them with your content and be there if they're, you know, they have no idea. They're like, what is CRM software, right? You got to be there. And that's a hard battle because everybody else is doing, you know, how do you differentiate that page? And then you get in everything there is to know about this and you're going through that funnel and you don't want to forget about, you know, content for people who are troubleshooting or having problems in their journey after purchase, um, champion development. So you, you know, how do you get people who have, like we were just talking about at the top of the show is, is, you know, how do you get people excited to become advocates for your offering? You know, your content needs to tell the story of not just the keywords you focus on, um, but the audience and your expertise. Yeah. And this is a topic that we could, I'm like, I'm, I'm holding back right now. Cause I'm like, I've got a thousand questions that I could ask about this and just make us, you know, a three hour podcast episode <laughs> about content strategy and SEO, but let's, uh, let's rewind the clock. So talk about your background. So where did you grow up? What were you like as a child? Oh gosh. Um, well, I grew up in Long Branch, New Jersey, which is in Monmouth County. Um, many people might know about Seabright and Sandy Hook. Uh, the park. Um, if you look at Jersey, it makes a little, it's like a little hook in the middle. Um, so around that area on the beach. Um, and uh, yeah, I was, you know, it, the, I, I grew up, you know, going to the beach every summer uh, and, and, you know, hanging out, went to uh, high school, public school, um, you know, played soccer and golf and I bowled uh, and, you know, just was a, high school kid right um i was really uh um into science and math uh and got you know, really knew i wanted to be in a computer scientist from an early time uh so i was putting together computers i had businesses running on usenet uh, before there was a world wide web um wow that's and, cool and, and um you know i was active on pre world wide web social networks uh, like uh, the Sierra Network and INN and um, bulletin boarding. Uh, so I had, you know, I had computers in my in my room with fans running on them so they wouldn't melt. Uh, you know? and <laughs> so what, my, what was your first computer? Uh, my first ever computer, gosh, was a VIC twenty, um, mm -hmm. and which is a you know twenty K, oh, yeah. right? And and yeah. then um, I never had a Commodore sixty four. I made the leap up to an Apple two C. Um, and then the school, cause the schools had Apple to E products. It was, you know, outdated. I mean, they were running Apple to E products into the nineties. It was scary. 
um, my, my, my underfunded uh, public school. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was, I was writing, you know, writing basic code at a very young age, um, and, and doing things like that. And I was always interested in that, um, and knew that that would be where my, um, where my focus lay. Uh, I focused heavily on search engine design, but it was like early in college, I went to Georgia Tech um, and uh, for computer science and, and usability theory. So like uh, user interface software and front end design, uh, visual uh, accessibility. And, um, but I also was really intrigued about the way that ad servers and search engines worked. Um, so I was working on basic text search intranet type stuff and uh you know during during my school time and and uh and yeah so that was that was a that was a fun fun period that was 97 to 01 so i got out of georgia tech in 01 but in the year late 99 early 2000 um and actually the story is i went i went to a um i went on a uh study abroad to Australia and New Zealand um, and the South Pacific, which was awesome. That's a whole other story. Um, but when I came back, I was a little bit before all the other students would be available for internships. Um, and so I saw that as an opportunity. So I fired out a, a, a bunch of uh, looking at a bunch of opportunities um, with startups um, and then one very large entity uh, where I would be working on there. Um, uh, marketing and uh, one of their development firms, they <laughs> gave me a job. I'm not saying who they are because the fun part about this is the next day I got an offer from a company called Knowledge Storm, which was a startup. Um, and I reneged on the first one. <laughs> <laughs> and I took the job. I took the job at the, um, the startup. And I always think back like that one day, like thinking, like disappointing that one person the, the person that was going to be leading the intern program at this other company, this publisher, um, changed my life dramatically because I, I, then I became like the head intern at Knowledge Storm because I was the only person there yet. And then they hired like 15 interns um, uh, later that summer. Um, and that company uh, sold leads to enterprise uh, B2B technology and enterprise software companies before leads were cool. Like this was like a company that would convince Dell and IBM to have content on their website so that we could syndicate it and generate leads. Like, I mean, with this, we had to sell the concept of having content. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and then we were, so that we were selling, we were selling millions of leads per month. Basically somebody would come to one of our websites, um, fill out a lead form to download white papers, eBooks, et cetera. Um, and that company was subsequently sold in 2007 to Tech Target, who you're very familiar with. Um, ah, yeah. okay. Now and, it's all coming together. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they were a competitor. They were a partner. Then they made another acquisition and became a competitor. Um, and then they became uh, the, the company that bought us. So they made, they acquired Bitpipe, um, which was another company uh, who was doing white paper syndication uh, early on. Um. And so that that experience was basically like, and oh, by the way, for Knowledge Storm, I evolved into basically being a product manager and managing all the traffic that went through that network. I mean, we were doing uh, you know tens of millions of visits a month through our network of sites and partnerships, um, and you know, like I mentioned, millions of leads uh, delivered through. Uh, and we built basically an amazing white paper ad server. 
that was like positioned as a helpful directory for software selection. Um, and, uh, and, and then, but we never had any editorial content, right? Um, when we were acquired by Tech Target, the, that's like the story of Market Muse in a small, in a weird way, because it was, I was thinking that the whole story was going to be like hustle SEO, um, you know, hundred percent focused on, on, you know, a combination of ads as well as organic to generate leads. That is something that absolutely it was needed at, at that, at that target and such. Um, but what it really illustrated to me very quickly was that, um, content editorial content was truly where the gold was right the the subsequent commercial content lead generation and data generation was kind of a secondary um and so working with an editorial staff and just to be blunt the first year ish two years ish of working with editorial staff was like i mean i had no idea like the processes were so manual to me, it was like scary. It was like, oh my gosh, you, you, you don't get any stuff published. It's like, there's so much, you know, brainstorming and, and just like subjective decision-making going on. And for me, it was like math problems. And, you know, and then slowly I realized that cracking the code on how to make the editorial team and the subject matter expert, the most important people in the world by making them data driven, but also holding on to their expertise was my, that, that was my mission in like life basically. And so I worked through, you know, engineering, uh, like search engine optimizations, like software products internally for their portfolios, um, designs of redesigns of sites, arc site architecture, unraveling lots of wires on technical SEO, um, basically can do anything in that space. Um, so it was like, a, you know, we did, I think 12, uh, 12 acquisitions, maybe it was more like seven, but sometimes it feels like 12. Uh, so migrations, rollups. Um, so anything that relates to content, search engine optimization, ad servers, paid, social, I ran social and community um, for them as well. Um, I managed uh, with our traffic search and engagement team. Um, and towards the end of that, journey, I was looking for this, the, the story is wacky and long, but I was looking for a way to, this is so nerdy, to auto tag content in a taxonomy. So feed in a word, you have a taxonomy, it puts the article in the right bucket. Um, and while I was searching for that, I actually found a vendor that I evaluated, but I also found another vendor and it was Market Muse. And it was Aki, my co-founder. <laughs> um, and I was like, this doesn't, and I asked him a question. I said, hey, this is the project. Does this do this? And he then told me what Market Muse aspired to do. And this was like, it had its earliest user interface. I mean, this was 2014. It was, you know, not ready for prime time. And, and you know, Aki would agree with you, but, but, it, but it, it worked and it did this thing this thing that took me 30 hours to do manually and this thing that bridged the gap between search engine optimization and content strategists and experts. And it did it. 
it did a 30 hour task in four to five minutes. And I was like, oh my gosh, it works. So I put together a plan. And what that was, was basically telling the story of what it means to be an expert. So that's what Market Muse does. We're able to say on this topic, if I were to cover this topic comprehensively, and if, if I was an expert, what are the things that I would have included? Um, and then we apply that at the page level. We can actually also do that at the site level. But the important part of this story was I was doing this process manually and it took a long time. And then it all of a sudden took four minutes. Um, so I actually did a proof of concept internally that pit, pitted a manual content plan against this automated content plan. The automated content plan 5X to the manual plan in performance. Wow. That's I still have I still have the word doc. I show it to people when they start working at marketing news. Um, and um, I also will have to say the leading page in that plan is still number one in organic search for the, yeah, it's still, it's, <laughs> it's now been um, uh, seven or eight years, which blows my mind. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and so then I left tech target to go work at a private equity firm um, to work uh, uh, among other things. I had some consulting clients. Um, I've always kept consulting clients because I'm not always working in every space. Um, and I think it keeps me um, well-rounded. So if I'm not in, you know, uh, if, if all of market Muse customers are just like these four buckets, well, I'm going to lose my acumen on these other buckets. Um, so just to make sure that I'm, even if it's unpaid in some cases, um, although money's better than not money. Um, but the, um, uh, but so I had some consulting clients that were doing really well. Plus I wanted to go work with this private equity firm and uh, do some consulting with them. They had a marketing services organization that I thought was like amazing idea to like, service their portfolio. Um, well, I was there for a couple of months and I was like, this is great. You know, and uh, Aki, my co now co-founder reached out and said, Hey, Jeff, um, we're going to take this to market for real. Um do you want to join as an advisor? So I did for a little bit. And then he came back and said, hey, we're going to take this to market for real, real. And you're the person who understands the market and how this works and the whole vision for going from research to planning, to prioritization, to briefing, to uh, creating and editing and publishing and, op and, and optimizing and, and how that can turn into something amazing. Um, and he said, will you join as a late co-founder? And I said, what's a late co-founder? And he said, um, it, it means you're not going to get paid. <laughs> 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 and I was like, cool. Well, the, I'm in. The, 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 sweet. I'm in. So I could go, I got this like kind of perfect situation going over here where I can totally jump off of a bridge. Um, and after um, a couple conversations, which basically were like, hey, here's my two situations. And both people saying, you're going to do that anyway. <laughs> I, I agreed and then started, uh, you know, September, October of 2015. And, um, and the rest is history where the, uh, we created a category of content intelligence, um, content strategy uh, as a SaaS solution. I mean, th that just didn't exist um, in, you know, 2015. Um, and now I'm, I'm so excited as the industry grows. Um, new companies coming out, you know, competitors, sure. But what it really does is just validate the market um, and, and make and sharpen each other's knives. Um, and what we've been able to accomplish in, in seven years where, you know, seven, I always like to equate it to um, the journey of spell check and Grammarly, right? Your first experience with spell check 
you were like, this can never work, right? I need a, I need a dictionary next to me and a, an encyclopedia. And then you're like, oh, wow, spell check actually works. And then you're like, well, I don't even need to look at this. I just like, accept all changes. Um, and then Grammarly, the first time you used Grammarly or like Siri, for example, um, you know, you were like, this is terrible. This doesn't work real well. And you're so not used to somebody correcting your grammar. It almost felt like an affront. Um, and in 2015, that's what it was like with market Muse. People were like, I don't want technology telling me how I can be smarter with my content. What do they know? Um, and that was my experience at Tech Target with the editorial team. It was like, I was like, hey, you should really write an article about um, you know, RAID 2 drives and, uh, you know, MFM, how MFM has evolved. And they're like, Jeff, Jeff, you weren't even born yet when that was out, right? What do you know? And I'm like, the data tells me, and, and nobody wants to hear that, right? Um, so uh, that's actually a true story, uh, by the way. Um, and, and, but the, um, uh, what, I, what, I, what I was, you know, seeing was how to get that data into the hands of, people that can build beautiful narratives and write content, but also SEOs uh, who, you know, can use that to, you know, continue their, um, their paths and to influence internally. SEO is about, typically it's about sure updating content and making sure that infrastructure and technical side is good, but it's all, a lot about influencing internally. Um, being a good SEO is you have to be a champion and an advocate um, it took me a while to learn that I was a little harsh and, you know, I was like, no, it's obvious, do this. But what it, really the, the world of enterprise, especially, but mid-market even is about getting all the teams aligned around the value. That value is a unified value. That value is authority and momentum. Um, and that's the, um, that's the guiding light for market Muse, the software product. It's get the content marketer, the writer, um, the editor in chief, the person in charge of revenue and demand gen and the SEO on the same page that, hey, we all do what we do best. And if we all do what we do best, the yield is authority on topics, which can give us the ability to write content and have it rank. And when a team gets that, they kind of drop their guards. They're not siloed anymore. Um, so what MarketMuse really focuses on is, hey, you're all going to contribute what you're good at. And the yield is going to be that the next article you write about, you know, crackers can rank. But if none of you guys work together, um, you're going to struggle. Uh, and, and so quantifying quality was our secret weapon. So being able to quantify content quality. And that's why our mission, if I meet you in an elevator, is to set the standard for content quality. Yeah, like, like, so if you fast forward, I'm sure it was, uh, you know, a, a road to get to where you are now. Uh, and, you, and you guys are, you know, using AI to create, you know, the, or helping companies with their strategy of creating that predictably better content at scale. So... How does it work? Like, what's the, like if if a company was like, okay, I want to rank for something that has to do with um, you know any topic like cars or something. So, how would you? How does Market Muse? Like, what's how's it, how does it work? So the different what it's going to do effectively is give you 
a shiny, clear mirror on who you are today. So where are your strengths and weaknesses? Where do you have coverage? Where do you not have coverage? Um, and we try to simplify that in some proprietary data points that are like topic authority, like I mentioned, our page authority, which represents effectively, uh, some people it's easier to digest that it's, it's your momentum, right? But it's really manifests as your breadth of coverage, your depth of coverage, the quality of your coverage, um, the comprehensiveness, how much it represents expert content, as well as off-page factors that have been cultivated uh, from links and social and other things like that. We create a bit, basically a composite that tells the story of your momentum effectively. Um, and we do that for your entire site. So that's your inward view, but you can also bring your own desires and aspirations. And those desires and aspirations can be can come from uh, competitors, or it can come from your boss or your keyword list that you manage. Um, so you can look at your site. You can look at you know VentureFizz uh, with respect to any topic. You could look at it with respect to fluffy kitties, right? Guess what? It's going to say, sorry, it's going to be real hard for you to rank really well for fluffy kitties. You just right. don't represent the fact that you're an expert on that. So it will give you the sense of, do you have that expertise? Is that represented? So what that allows you to do is create data-driven content plans. So it's it's effectively giving you the why for content. Why should I update this page? Why should I be looking at this page versus that page? Um, so you can bring your own plans and execute them, or it can inspire plans. Um, so common, common plan types that are obvious would be like things like, um, what, what, or what are the top five articles I should update on my site that are going to have the biggest impact on my business, right? And then giving the why. So let's say you have to appeal for budget internally. You say, I need to pay, I need to spend $10,000 to update these 20 pages. What's your boss going to say? Why? Right. <laughs> right? So what do you need to do to justify that if it's not already, if you don't already have carte blanche, right? Here's the upside potential. Here's why I'm prioritizing these pages over those pages, right? Now you're armed with those two data points, you're gonna get that budget versus, I don't know, I think it's a good idea, or I have the editorial expertise, don't question me. Or the, the, other, the other thing would be like, what should we create and why, right? We need to create a comprehensive guide to uh, you know, venture debt, right? Why? Mm -hmm. Right. It's because, you know, uh, this is a topic where we have coverage, but we're underperforming. Um, we see that Market Muse says that we have a competitive advantage on this particular topic um, and thus we'll have a easier path to be successful with it um, than others. And we'll, can, we can knock it out with one really good content item or maybe it's a cluster of content or maybe it's an entire section of our content of our site. We will tell you the real talk. We're not going to like lie to you with data. Um, and unfortunately in the market, content is king is misinterpreted as I just need to write a page. And that's not how it works. Um, if you want to own a topic, you need to cover the whole thing. Sometimes, you know, the misrepresentation of content strategy in that, you know, one of the main, main misinterpretations is one page, one keyword. Um, 
and it's devastating to companies. Uh, and it comes from the affiliate world. Uh, it's not true. It never has been. Uh, Over focus on, you know, the perception of cannibalization and those types of things. Market Muse just like extracts all of that bad mojo and just makes it about the quality. Um, and that's really where, uh, you know, a team can get aligned and that strategic alignment. And that's our solution for teams. Our solution for individuals, solutions for individuals are focused on these common workflows. The one I described earlier, I wanna research a topic and understand it. Um, that's has so many use cases, right? Just, okay, if I'm gonna go write an article about content marketing strategy, I better talk about target market and buyer personas and the various roles on a content marketing team, okay? If you're not an expert, you wouldn't just know that. Market Muse will summarize and give you that intelligence. Um, we also can juxtapose that against competitors and say, what is everybody else doing um, with respect to quality? What that tells you is the table stakes topics, everybody covers this versus nobody covers this, but Market Muse says it's important. And that, that nobody covers this, but Market Muse says it's important is your path to differentiation. Um, and nothing makes an editorial expert or a subject matter experts face light up than when they are given recommendations that were their blind spots, but they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Or this is a clear way for me to differentiate my business. Like those two things don't exist anywhere. Um, so when they see those things like, whoa, you know how exciting it is for a writer to have to go write an article and the, in the brief that they receive, it's like, hey, go look at this one page and like copy it, right? That, that's like taking the heart out of the writer, throwing it in the garbage and then shooting it with a gun. <laughs> um, and so what we're focused on is saying, hey, you know, that you're, that you're part of the team that's on this site. Um, answer these questions elegantly. Weave these questions in. Here's some recommendations for sections for this site. Make sure you talk about these things. These are the tables. This is the stuff everybody's going to mention, but here's some ideas for differentiating this piece. And then the writer's like, whoa, you kind of get me. Like, this, I'm going to, I'm going to, and then they don't have to do that research. So they're focused on writing and building a great narrative. And they have an artifact or a single source of truth in the form of this data to look at and go, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Mark Amuse said I need to answer that question of, you know, I'm writing this article about, uh, things to do in Quebec City, and I haven't talked about Quebecois, which is you know the the, the regional dialect. Oh yeah, the, I was a blind. Okay, I need to cover that. Write a paragraph about it. Like that's the experience that we're going for, um, and that's really the dream, right? It's like take the subjectivity out of it, leave the subjectivity and the narrative and the quality to the writer, to the expert to the editorial lead to, to, to guide directionally. Let them be creative and focus on production value and the experience the reader would have and give them ground rules that are inspirational. And when you get to that point with a writing team, it's like magic. Um, and that's the magic. That's the market media's magic. It's like, you know, everybody will look at it and they're like, ah, oh, it's a bunch of keywords. You know, that, that's, that's the, uh, you know, the, the untrained eye. Um, but the magic is when a writer can digest this data, not be an SEO expert and write a content item that crushes it in organic search. Well, the thing that you also brought up that people might not realize is 
optimizing prior content because you're always thinking about writing new stuff and getting it yeah. out there, but you should go back and make sure prior stuff that you've written that may have authority is optimized for that authority. Oh yeah, it's 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 the quickest path to wins. And people don't get it. First reason they don't get it, it isn't fun. Updating content's boring. It seems like you're doing something that doesn't have a lot of upside, but it paradoxically has the most upside and predictable upside. And that's what's so exciting. So I'll, I'll always teach updating updates based on this. I'll come up with a, a topical thing that didn't mean what it means today. I didn't want to mean what it means yet, uh, last year that meant today. So let's say two years ago, um, you were optimizing a article about Clubhouse. Things have changed about the meaning of that word over Absolutely. time. Um, yeah. Let's say that article is still sitting out there as it was. What like that article's been through a you know a pretty wild storm. Uh, so you need to go touch that. You, you the answer to touching it, you might have needed to create content about clubhouses. Maybe you're the, a manufacturer of wooden clubhouses for trees. You know, I don't know what the answer to that is, but you know, intent changes on words meanings change on words and concepts competitive landscapes change so who's writing if you close your eyes and you're in a competitive space your competitors are going to eat your lunch one way or another um, yeah. and then you have situations where you didn't write it as comprehensively as you should have when you did do it um, you missed a stage of the bias cycle um, a variant, a keyword variant didn't exist or you didn't include it. So going back and addressing existing content that has opportunity, what it does is it's like you already have a car driving fast or a car driving kind of fast or a struggling car that needs a maintenance, car maintenance, and it just tunes it up or it puts a spoiler on it or it puts a bigger engine in it. Um, and that's why that's a usually and often a quicker path to speeding up than building a brand new machine. Um, and that's why it's a great yin and yang. Most content plans will consist of creation and updates. Um, another just obvious one, if people don't wanna get the car analogy, is if you don't update your old content, it won't link to your new content. <laughs> Mm, okay. So just, just the basics, you know, and you can't just put a link in there. You have to like elegantly weave it into the narrative so that it's a natural click opportunity. And so just updating for internal link value is enough to drive an updates team. And by the way, every publisher should have an update team, an update and optimization team. And that team should consist of data for from a, a, a SEO perspective and writers who get it and have the authority to update. Um, the best teams in the world get that. Trust me, I get to work with them and it's a pleasure. Um, and publishers who don't get it struggle with that. Um, and uh, they struggle with ownership, right? Uh, don't touch Joey's articles, you'll get so mad. Um, guess what? 
if you ever hear that inside, you need to be the one that stands up and goes, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, uh, you know, because because that's just it. That, that is stunting your business's growth at such a or gosh, I just have to write a new article because they won't let me update that old one. Oh, my gosh. If you hear that internally, like raise the red flag and just call me. Jeff, just I'll give you my cell number. But, Jeff, you know, Jeff at Market Views, just like give me a ring because uh, that that does happen and it still happens. Um, and. Um, or I can't justify updating these. Uh, I can't justify the return on investment. Um, you can real quick, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> uh, and so those are the types of things that um, excite me and get me, you know, pumped up to, to work with them. Updating content, though, I mean, is one of the most misunderstood. Uh, people think it's like just about peppering keywords in that weren't there before. Um, and I uh, couldn't be further from the truth. What's the current stage of the company as far as, you know, size and growth plans ahead? Oh, gosh, it's it's what I mean, having a startup during this time frame is just wild and wacky. Um, but we're, you know, we're growing really consistently hitting targets. Um, we just hit our 2021 uh, targets internally. Uh, we're venture backed. Um, we have an amazing board. Uh, of, of advisors who, I mean, they're as much a psychiatric support team as they are a board. And you can't ask for more than that. Uh, we were um, so lucky. I mean, we have team members from Revel, um, from Riverside, um, Runway, uh, uh, Mark Michelle, uh, uh, Chris Young, who's, who, who, I, who I had mentioned his entity, um, you know, Riverside, John Drillings, um, I'm, I'm going to forget some folks on there, but uh, it, it, it's just awesome uh, having kind of that consultative venture team uh, who, and then we also have practitioners on the, on our board. Um, we're growing really fast. Um, I think our current count is somewhere between 30 and 40 uh, people um, growing in both all engineering technology, data science. We have our own lab in Montreal. Uh, but we are a remote team. We like the, our engineers to be uh, uh, with certain applications uh, in, in our Montreal office, but we do have some remote team. Our headquarters is based in Boston, but we are, um, like I mentioned, well, we have team members throughout the world, uh, throughout the United States. Um, and this year, so many exciting things, uh, launching a full-scale keyword research solution uh, with a very familiar ideation-focused experience, a number of integrations uh, with, um, uh, can't get into the specifics, uh, but with partners as well as technologies that are very common, uh, commonly used in the space. Um, and um, innovating our uh, free and um, user-focused solution uh, in uh, concurrently with our team um, and uh, uh, our, our premium solutions um, with really just trying to make it easy. I, I mean, I, I, want, I want you to know what you should create or update as fast as you can and for it to not be overwhelming when you make the decision to create. Uh, and if I can accomplish those two things, I've been successful. And, you know, for a writer who is just updating a few pages or writing, that's just their job. 
and they don't work with a company, you know, I want, I also want you to be able to get some value from market news as much as I want, you know, the editor in chief of, you know, a three letter magazine who I might work with. So, you know, it's, it's, my dream is that everyone will be able to raise the bar for content quality, no matter where they work. And because I want to rid the world of bad content. One of the things I thought was super interesting about your background and your entrepreneurial journey is you are also a co-founder of a, a brewer. So yeah. Silver Bluff Brewing Company, <laughs> right. which I'm like, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a big advocate of craft beer and love a New England IPA or any type of IPA. So, uh, so what's the, if you compare and contrast the two of being an entrepreneur in tech and the brewing industry, what's, how would you relate that? Yeah. So that's a uh, interesting also arc. Um, I, uh, shortest story I can possibly tell on that is um, the, this building a brewery and, and doing that was something that I had planned on doing after basically retiring. Uh, however, laws changed in Georgia, where I lived at the time. I'm now in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, laws changed in Georgia that made it a lot easier to open one. Um, and we had kind of, sp- my brother and I had scoped out the um, the business opportunity, business plan, but it was, you know, 2025 plus, right, in, in the future. Um, and uh, with two other entrepreneurs were rolling around our town asking about, has anyone ever done this? And, and so they, you know, put gave us some FOMO. We actually teamed up with them and were able to build it. Um, what I'd say is because it has a brick and mortar component um, and an engineer component, the first wave of um, that business was a lot of real estate uh, and construction and no expertise, like zero. So, <laughs> right. um, but for me, it was, you know, the branding and marketing, uh, you know, those, those are passions of mine, um, as well as, you know, you know, beer, the beer marketing, as well as beer itself. Um, a cool thing about that was having had the experience with Market Muse, I'm, I went from being a manager, kind of a traditionally trained manager where it was about, you know, professional development and, you know, making sure you were leveling up all employees. Like that's the experience at a large company, right? But at a startup, it's really being a manager, being a good manager is very paradoxical, right? A lot of times it, 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 it's tough because you're, you win by having a sharp knife sometimes. Um, and so, and to, and making sure you set up the company really, really well um, and clear communication. So a lot of the mistakes I'd say that I made um, or that I experienced during my time at Market Muse, um, I was able to get ahead of um, when creating the, the brewery business, the way it's structured uh, communications um, and that's made it super easy uh, to kind of grow. It still was very difficult to get off the ground and run and, and, and do all those things, but it's made um, ownership of responsibilities and, and, and those types of things, like things you don't learn unless you've made a company from scratch, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from the blood, from the, from the scars, from the bruises, um, getting ahead of that. And then also seeing things a lot clearer um, and so the differences for me has been I had operator 
uh, creator expertise and experience. Um, also, I'm in a um, community of entrepreneurs, a mastermind called Rhodium, uh, which you may be familiar with. Um, having them as my support structure allowed me to make a new company a lot easier. Um, and, 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 you know, with my, you know, co-founders, obviously, um, but really just seeing things for what they are a lot clearer. Um, I love beer as well. We have a New England IPA taproom salute taproom offering, uh, that we do not distribute yet. Um, but I love it. Uh, and that also helps, um, we had some early success in competitions and that allowed us to grow really fast. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're thriving you know, that business. I spend very little time, uh, directly on that business. I spend about 95% of my time or more on market meets. Um, but some people would say I spend about 200% of what a human should on, <laughs> on businesses. So, you know, 5% <laughs> can actually be meaningful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, a, it's been a unique experience. Um, I, I didn't expect to do it at this time. Um, I'm really glad that we did. Uh, it was the first three years were a struggle, um, to just get open. Um, and then COVID was a struggle. Um, but we got open socially and responsibly, uh, socially appropriate and responsibly. And that's put us into a really good position. The, the, the team, that team is a, as, as Market Muses team is, the team at Silver Bluff is, I mean, it's an, I would say it's an all-star team that sometimes needs a coach. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I mean, it is, that way, that, that, that's really cool. I mean, when you get that, you got to have A players on a, on a, you learn that the hard way. And anyone here that's starting a company, it's, um, and that's never not true. It's, you know, when you're trying to prop up C players, um, you know, building teams in corporate world sometimes involves having to have C players and pick them up. But, you know, when you're propping up C players, they'll kill your business um, when you're in a startup. So, you know, the, the luxury we have at, at Silver Bluff is we, we've, we've just hired real well. And um, when you have um, that, your, your problems are still problems, but they're not as bad uh, as they could be. So those are the things I've learned and, um, that I, that make it so that that is kind of like a joy, uh, to interact with. So, so what else do you like to do outside of work? I've got two beautiful kids, three-year-old, five-year-old boys, um, Colin and Porter. Um, they are the best things in the world. Um, I spend as much time in the world with them, my family. Um, I, and then a lot of the other things in my life, I just kind of have pushed off a little bit. Uh, but if you're, uh, I, I play soccer, I run, um, play golf badly. And now at one point I was really good. Um, and then I started company. So your golf skills, um, go down as you become an entrepreneur. I, that's my graph for the day. Um, but one day, one day I'll get back to my, uh, my groove that I was in college. Um, but uh, yeah, those are those are things I'm really passionate about. Um, and gosh, you know, I play a lot of I play a, a lot of Beyblades and watch a lot of Netflix with my kids. So <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Watch a lot of Korean cartoons lately. Uh, so I'm I'm really into Mini Force uh, and uh, 
and and Beyblade, uh, so and Pokemon. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> gotta do it, gotta do it. You know. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time to walk us through your background story, all the great things that are happening at Market Muse, and uh, all the great advice you shared along the way. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it, Keith. It's always a pleasure, and I love watching you guys be successful too. It's been been awesome. So, well, thanks for your support. Well, that's our show. I hope you found it useful and entertaining. If you did, please make sure you subscribe so you'll get future episodes. Also, please consider leaving us a five-star review and share this podcast with all of your friends and colleagues in the industry. It all really helps us out. Last but not least, don't forget to visit VentureFizz.com, the most trusted source for tech and startup jobs, news, and insights. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.